welcome to Swarthmore Presbyterian Church's podcast. This is your host, Alex Evangelista. We are delighted you are here, and don't forget to like, subscribe, and share our podcast. You are now listening to a sermon recorded for December 19, 2021, titled, The Company We Keep, by Rev. Sarah Cooper Searight. Join me in prayer. O Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. That evening in the quickly fading light, I stood in the hallway about to re-enter our family's small shared room, and I heard the faint sound of a mother's song to her sleepy infant. In Spanish, she sang. Nada te turbe, nada te espante, solo Dios tiene, nada Nothing can trouble, nothing can frighten. We had sung this song already once that week in Teze in one of the three daily prayer services around which the life of this monastic community in Western France is ordered. In whatever language was most familiar to them, pilgrims from around the world sang this same prayer of assurance that set this woman's child to dreaming that night. As I listened to her that evening, I could put myself in her place with ease. For perhaps you, like me, and like our neighbor that evening have sung an infant to sleep before. Maybe it is a simple twinkle, twinkle little star, or a family lullaby, old familiar hymns sometimes do it in our house, or as a dear friend who sang regularly her favorite lyrics by the Indigo Girls or Woody Guthrie to get her children to settle at night. In our house, we did, and still do, find songs of comfort that help to ease the mind and drift it off to sleep. Even before they were in the world, though, I sang to our girls, introducing them to their mama through the varied sounds of my favorite songwriters. Their entry into the world was accompanied by a playlist that I painstakingly chose, to give me strength and to assure them on their way. We find Mary and Elizabeth this morning tuning their voices to one another and to the little ones that they carried in a story that is so familiar in its cadence from the Gospel of Luke. Mary had recently come from a visit by the angel 
announcing a wholly unexpected turn in her young life. Meanwhile, Elizabeth is further along, a desire long mourned as not possible has all of a sudden become miraculous reality with every added ache to her aging body. In this season of drawing near, when God comes close, when mountain and valley meet on level plain, when a prophet's words draw city folk out, of the, out of, into the wilderness, we are given on this fourth Sunday of Advent yet another intimate meeting. A picture of two expectant mothers keeping company with one another, calibrating their son's expectations for this world before these little ones have even shown up. And while the Gospel writer does not give us all of the details, we can imagine them. The, excel the exclamations, the doting, the quick talk filling the once silent space that Elizabeth inhabited, her husband still unable to speak or hear, though the men are all around silent in this story. This is a story that centers the women's experience of one another and of God, and the validation and strength they found in the presence of one another. One of the few stories like it in the biblical text, and because of this rarity, all the more significant. We can imagine the questions on their lips to one another. What, what does this mean to be the mother of God? What does this mean to be a caregiver so late in life? What, what if I am cast out? What if all around me remains silent? In the company of one another, they can lift up and name their uncertainty, the reality that everything is changing. Elizabeth is the bearer of the last in a long line of prophets of Israel, and Mary the bearer of the beginning of the Messianic age. In the company of one another, they are moved to testify, and that testimony casts a new order for the world in which they live and for our own. It is clear to me that each of these women need this encounter as much as the other, just as it is clear in the story that without their meeting, it is incomplete. As often as we hear it in this season, Mary's Magnificat does not come without first Elizabeth's proclamation, seeing Mary for who she is, the mother of my Lord. We can imagine a long knowing between these two, an assurance of trust that has been gained over time. These kinds of trusting and trusted relationships are what have the capacity for us to see the world around us in new ways, to form what we see and how we live, particularly when it at times is difficult to imagine a future, to dream what it could be, to speak what we want it to be. 
when we can't really even clearly see our present. Years ago, I walked into a room in my home church and encountered there a gathering of women, all of whom served as pastors in the area. I had been invited into that room because the thought of seminary and ministry had recently become a bit of a nuisance in my brain. I was 22 and in no yet, no way yet ready to clearly know what it meant to be called to ministry. But in a recent conversation with my pastor, she had invited me, just like Jesus does to his disciples, come and see, she said. And so I did. To be honest, as I recall it, the first part of my time, in the first part of my time with them, there were shared enough stories that should have put me off of the whole thing entirely. <laughs> and perhaps that was the unconscious aim of some of the understandably weary women in the room. Many of them were of the generation to be the first, or if they were lucky, the second. The first or second wave of female leaders in this denomination that had only begun to ordain women in 1965. And in an old story, and in a story told by one woman who was ordained in 1974, still had the standard he and his printed on the ordination certificate, which in her case were just penciled over to correct for she and her. So maybe just hearing these would have set me pondering more seriously my major in psychology, except that Cynthia spoke up, and then Laura did as well. Cynthia was the pastor who had invited me, and Laura was the president of the seminary I would eventually attend. They knew me and where I came from. They knew that I held no illusions about the gifts and disappointments of God's church and her leaders. And I knew them, how smart they were, the heart they had, and the courage and passion that revealed such a deep faith. They blessed me in that time with encouragement to hear beyond the stories of daily struggle to the truth of the calling that each of these women continued to wholeheartedly show up to, and as they all did affirm, to love. This reminder spurred on those who were gathered as well, and the tenor of the conversation changed. These were leaders who had amongst themselves built a much needed company of support with whom they could both air their frustrations and testify to the movements of the Holy Spirit they witnessed in and through one another. We know that the faith of one individual is never a solo project. The ways that we know and understand God to be is never an isolated task. The calls we ponder and the testimonies that we give may never have real clarity. They may never truly sing until explored and inspired and given strength 
in the company of others. We need the truth-telling stories and the blessing to hear more. The life of faith is a shared life that endures struggle and holds hope. Of course, there is space for solitude and for quiet, for pondering in our hearts. We can engage spiritual inquiry and depth through personal study and prayer and practice. We can escape to monasteries and monastic communities to find quiet renewal or experience the magnificence of God in the scenery of a solitary hike. But we were never meant to do this life of faith entirely alone. Particularly, this comes true in difficult times when a clear answer is not at, at the ready. This, I believe firmly, is a key why of the church, to bring together God's people so that we can testify together, bear with one another, ponder and proclaim, hold witness to what we have seen and heard and known, the good and the bad and the ugly, the painful and the frustrating, the overwhelming and the awe-inspiring, so that with both our singular and shared voices, we can point to the good news that God knows us, is it under no illusions about us, and still continues wholeheartedly to show up in our midst. This uncanny nature of God to show up is in the end what Mary and Elizabeth witness to one another in the time that they have. From generation to generation, inspiring awe and reversing any expectation that the world would remain droning on in the same oppressive and unpalatable ways. And this assurance is what moves Mary finally to sing. What is it in a human life that cannot do without song? This is a question posed by Don and Emily Saliers in their book, A Song to Sing, A Life to Live. Don is a teacher, composer, cantor, and church musician, and Emily is a popular rock singer-songwriter, one of those aforementioned indigo girls. This father and daughter write blurring the sacred and the secular, inviting an understanding of music as a deeply spiritual practice, revelatory of experience and testimony to hope. Whether sung at the crib side or on the streets, in the shower or in the pews, experienced in concert halls or roadside bars, in solitude and community. Their answer to the question of our human need for song is this. They say, it lies close to the heart of our identity. We sing out of who we have become as a people. Yet that singing can take on new forms as our identity and sense of belonging expand over time. We sing what we belong to and feel at home in, but we also sing in order to become a part of a larger social reality. 
Whatever people can say with passion and in heightened speech, they will end up singing in some form. Music, they say, expands our capacity as individuals and as communities, broadening our understandings of ourselves, our faith, and our world. By the time that she can sing with confidence, Mary reveals herself not as a meek and mild recipient of God's will, but as a prophet for the revolutionary inbreaking of God's reign. She has seen its beginning with her own eyes, and her words hold certain hope for its continuation. Like any person who wishes to, and works for a better, for better for people that they may never meet, like any community that puts itself on the line to proclaim that the birth of a baby among farm animals in the back country of ancient Judea is sure salvation for a world as utterly prone to self-destruction as the one we share. Like any caregiver who sings quietly to their infant, testifying to the assurance that no matter what struggles will be endured, no matter what pain will come, there is still love that will not let us go. Mary sings with Elizabeth next to her, urging her on so that we could imagine not just one voice, but both that ring out, defiant and hopeful, insistent and clear-eyed, that what they have experienced of the world is both blessing and not all that there is. It is love, true and honest and deep and knowing, that is the inspiration of their coming together. This is what they sing of and pray their little ones recognize it. And we know the story that they do. Elizabeth's son will speak love through a call to repentance and acts on behalf of his cousin. And the other will embody it with the fact of his very being, Christ's presence, his voice, his exasperation, his compassion, and his death. The company we keep, dear friends, is what deepens our capacity for this kind of whole body, full-throated, courageous, insurgent, and compassionate love. It is what sees us through the moments of the most blissful and the most terrifying. And as we come to the close of this Advent season, may we be able to recognize God who has drawn near in the presence of others, spurring us on to sing together new songs of faithfulness to a new world leveled by the merciful incarnation of justice, peace, and love. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to this sermon, recorded for 19th of December, 2021, titled, The Company We Keep, by Reverend Sarah Cooper Searing. We'll see you soon, and may the peace of Christ be with you.